This is Everyday Photography Every Day, where you get to listen in on a chat between a photographer, that's me, and a regular human. That's me. With an eye on making your pictures amazing. No technical stuff, no talk of gear or software, just photography for the love of it. I'm Suzanne Fritz Hansen, enthusiastic iPhone picture taker. And I'm Michael Rubin, photographer, founder of Neo Modern, and Grumpy Old Man, and we're in San Francisco tonight. Welcome. Hey, Suzanne. Hey, Ruben. How's it going? It's going pretty well. You know, I, um, I know we're having droughts in the West, but uh, it's been raining here constantly for like three days. So I don't know what to make. They don't do drought well in Santa Fe. I don't know. It's, they haven't figured out. I don't know. How. Is it something they've always been wishing for rain and then they it, get it? Honestly, like, I'm not complaining because it's it's actually pretty awesome. And I like okay. rain here, so. like, It kind of sounds like you're complaining, but I know you love cloudy weather and you love shooting in cloudy weather. I, so. I do, and I, but I also love complaining. So you got to balance, <laughs> you got to balance it's, those needs out. It's true. Very true. <laughs> um, so let, let's jump into our show today. I mean, I'm, uh, one of the great things I think about, um, doing this podcast is we get to invite people that we just are fans of that we like, and Absolutely. we don't even know, we don't even know who they are, but we are fans. So we call them up. And today was one of those things. Um, I, I've seen Susan's work, Susan Bernstein's work for many years. And um, when I realized she had a class coming up at the Santa Fe Photographic Workshops, um, that got me excited because I thought, oh, wow, it's like family practically. So uh, so I wanted to ask her to join. Um, have you looked, have you gotten a chance to look over her work? I did. Yeah. I'm, I'm super excited to have her. And for those listeners who are not familiar, uh, Susan Bernstein is an award-winning fine art and commercial photographer originating from Chicago and now based in Los Angeles. She's represented in galleries across the world. She's widely published throughout the globe. And she actually has a monthly column with the Black and White Photography, which is a UK uh, publication. She's had a couple sort of seminal works uh, or books or publishings, which we will ask her about, um, including uh, Within Shadows, Absence of Being, and I think her latest work is Where Shadows Cease. She's known for her haunting ethereal images that illustrate her dreams. And I am so excited to welcome Susan Bernstein. Susan, welcome. Well, thank you. Nice to meet you guys. Nice to meet you too. You also have a, so you have a workshop coming up at, at Santa Fe workshops. And um, I'll also mention that there's a, a show of yours at the Obscure Gallery in Santa Fe. Is that correct? That's going to be running mm -hmm. all month. Uh, so I'm looking forward to meeting you at the, it's not really the opening. I guess it's almost the closing. There's like a party. Yeah. <laughs> I sort of timed the receptions for when I was going to be there anyway. So, yeah. um, cause I'll be teaching that week. Cool. And so you're teaching in person. Mm -hmm. Oh, wonderful. That must yeah. be just, I, I'm sure, have you been teaching as well um, virtually over the pandemic or were you able to kind of continue having your sort of in-person courses? T teaching nonstop over the pandemic. I have never been wow. so busy in my <laughs> life. Wow. Yeah, where everybody else shut down, uh, this was open for business over here. Um, not nonstop because people were sitting around needing things to do, I think. And it was just yeah. such a fruitful time for photographer to be, photographers to be able to get to teachers that they can't usually get to. Mm -hmm. um, and I have been teaching online for years, years. I love teaching online. But um, I think for 10 years I've been teaching online. But um, uh, this pandemic has really shifted things where it's become the norm. It's a wonderful thing. And like your it. workshop is called yeah. Visual Narratives. Is that correct? No, no, no. The one that I'm teaching in um, uh, Santa Fe in a few weeks is uh, Sense of Place. Um, oh, but I teach a, 
Oh, yeah. I thought it was the poetry of abstraction. That's not <laughs> poetry. <laughs> She's got so many good courses, guys. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I uh, the poetry of abstraction. I generally teach that one online. That's something that I designed for an online course, which is just become a phenomenon. Phenomenon. I mean, it's like the minute it opens, it's it's sold out. You know, it's oh, one wow. of those things. It's a it's a great class. I really would you, love it. Would you tell us about that class a little? I'm just because I'm sure it's an online I am teaching that one in person in San Miguel, I think, uh, in this this fall. That one is um, completely designed to focus on abstraction and figuring out what your personal voice is in abstraction. You know, you could learn lots of techniques, but how do you get to your personal voice? It's a, yeah. I have a, a really specific technique about getting to people's core. Um, and it's something that I designed over the years that's based on something that I use my process. And I don't think anybody else teaches in this sort of manner, but it's um, something that I get right to the nitty gritty for people and um, help them understand what it is that they're supposed to express for themselves at that time and how to express it. So I teach a lot of different kinds of um, aesthetics and styles each week. Um, and I go through different types of abstractions, but by f I, I um, personalize it in a way so that each photographer can um, get to their, their core through that style. Well, I, I want to come back to that I because I think that people listening, I mean, if they look at our show notes and um, they're going to see some of your work, but let's talk a little bit about what you do because uh, it is so different from I mean, it's so different from my work and from almost any other photography I've photographer I've ever spoken to. Um, you are you make your cameras. Have you always made your cameras? I've Is been that making cameras since two thousand and five. Um, I mean, I was a photographer before that, but uh, I started making them in two thousand and five. Did your did the work visually change when you started making your cameras, or have you always had this kind of mysterious? Um, dreamlike photography? Um, my style prior to this was completely different. Um, I mean, I was like a commercial and editorial photographer, um, shooting celebrities, all ki that kind of stuff. Um, I, I had not done personal work prior to this. And the reason why I did it is because my life changed and I was trying to express my personal vision um, in a way that helped me get through the day, if that makes sense. Um, I had, it's a very long story. And so I suppose this is going to have to, I suppose I'll just un, un, unpack it now um, so that you understand why I yeah. do what I do. Um, when I was a kid, I uh, suffered night terrors. You guys know what night terrors are, right? Yeah. Um, but I had it so extreme that I've had them throughout my life. Um, it's something that never went away. I mean, they'll go through periods of time uh, where it goes away. But when certain traumas come up in my life um, that have to do with um, loss and death and things like that and lo losing people that I care about, they come back and they come back to the point where they're debilitating um, because some people who have night terrors when they're kids, they just don't remember them. They wake up and they're screaming and they're yelling and they don't, but I remember. So um, unfortunately, when my mom was tragically um, killed when I was in my early 30s, they came back with a vengeance. And at that time, I was in the um, entertainment world. I was uh, on the fast track of doing quite a many interesting things in entertainment. And um, but I, my life stopped because it was such a devastating period because of the way that she was 
um, that I lost her um, and I just couldn't cope with it. Um, so the night terrors were sort of overtaking my life. And I remembered how my mom taught me how to, to get through them. When I was a little kid, she, when I'd wake up from them, she, I mean, I went through years of, of pain with them, but my mom came up with the idea, she was an artist and a musician, and she came up with the idea of when I'd wake up from them to hand me like a sketchbook or hand me modeling clay or something to create some kind of art to reinterpret what I dreamt, but put a positive spin on it mm-hmm. on the end. So that became my process of creativity, you know, to reimagine my dream world and then um, put a different twist on the the end so that it was positive. Um, So when this went, when I went through this with my mother, I decided that I wanted to reinterpret these dreams in photography. Um, So I'd start to journal them. um, And then I, I tried every camera known to mankind in trying to reinterpret how I see unconsciously. But there is nothing out there that has the fingerprint of how I see. So I got really, really frustrated. And I was playing with toy cameras at the time. And they're really these simplistic objects. Yeah. And my father at one point in his life was an inventor and an engineer for aerospace. And so we had a lot of crazy th- stuff in the house. My dad was always building and inventing things in the house. And I was frustrated. So I went to my father and I'm like, you know, I just don't know how to to express myself. I've tried every camera. Nothing looks like what I'm trying to express. And he said, well, just make a camera. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) You know, know, it was like, what? How the hell am I going to do that? And um, so I thought about these toy cameras and how simplistic they were and at, mm. I was already pulling them apart and remaking them at that point because mm-hmm. they were so simplistic that I wanted them to do other things so I'd make them do telephoto I'd do this whatever and um you know real basic- a side note I heard that you like stole your nephew's magnifying glass or toy magnifying glass to actually as you were starting to experiment with these toy cameras like you really take anything from anywhere to create yeah, I, I do Technically, it wasn't my nephew. I just so I don't know how that got misconstrued, but um, it was my best friend's son, who is okay. basically like my nephew. Like a nephew, like, yeah. You know, he's actually <laughs> now a, he's a photographer <laughs> at this point. He's like, oh, you know, cool. he's like, uh, he's incredible. This guy, he's in his twenties, by the way. Um, so um, yeah, I mean, I would just try anything that I could get my hands on to see I how that. I could create lenses and parts that would communicate the way that I wanted to. And I ended up um, uh, ultimately, you know, I was borrowing parts at the beginning with my first prototype, but then I ultimately made everything 100% homemade. And the camera lenses are molded out of hobby plastic. So I have my own original molds and sometimes I put different elements in them. Um, But I, I have about 24 of them and they're all basically the same lens, but not where I'm, I'm using garbage, garbage bags for bellows. So they're different lengths and all different kinds of things. So um, I can um, get different kinds of shots that I need. So I'll carry like two, three different cameras with me because they'll have different abilities. Like they only have one to three shutter speed. So maybe one has, you know, a 20th and one has a 60th or something like that. And I need a certain kind of light. Well, now think I only have one aperture. You know, I have a single aperture and one to three shutter speeds. Well, what are you going to do with that when you have a brilliantly sunny day? So I'm having to stack filters on top of it to cut down the light. You know, I'm really having to think outside the box and I'm actually going back to the original 
you know, photographers, how they were building their cameras and how they had to control their lights with these, you know, the little, um, the rings, uh, I'm going, my brain is, it's nine, nine something in the morning. My brain is, you know, <laughs> their, their little apertures that they had were like little rings that were going mm -hmm. into. So I'm doing the same thing. I'm not doing anything new. I'm doing something old. Right. It sounds really technically challenging. Super that, challenging. How and do you manage the predictability or do you just kind of lean into it? Like the sorry, unpredictability. It. So you have Which this. Is basically my life. I'm always leaning into the unpredictability. <laughs> well, that's interesting. So you have this image that. in your in your mind from a dream or something. And so you're, you go to a scene, you go to a place, you set up, you think this might be the right thing, the right location? It's a little different than that. What I'm doing is um, I, when I write, when I wake up and um, write my dreams down, I write in poetry. I'm also a writer. So what I'm looking for is metaphor. I'm looking for the metaphor of the symbols or some kind of element that I just wrote about and um, that encapsulated what I was dreaming. So I'm not looking for the actual scene, but if something comes to me that represents the actual scene, I'll shoot it. So I'm looking for um, metaphors that represent the emotional content of what I just dreamt, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. That's first and foremost. Um, and then, you know, I'll look for the symbolic elements. So it could be anything and I'm reinterpreting it. And you, and you said in your, your bio that you, um, only do this effects in camera. And I'm curious if you, had you ever considered doing it in post-production in any way of building them, of creating them like? Well, you know, I was a huge fan of James Fee early on. So I did consider doing it in the dark room, but it was something that I'm one of those um, people who has to do it in the moment. Um, I'm not, you know, some people could build on things in the dark room and then it could be something that, you know, their, their, their moment of their decisive moment is happening when they're creating in the dark room in post or in Photoshop or whatever. That's not me. My decisive moment is at the moment that I click the shutter. So it was something that I had to do that fit the way that I shot, if that makes sense. And I read, I don't know if this is true, but when you shoot, you sort of channel that metaphor or that dream and you shoot with your eyes closed. Is that true? I do. Yeah, I do shoot with my eyes closed. So it's really, and I teach my <laughs> students to do this too, because I tell my students, here's, here's the core of what I shoot. What I teach is you shoot with your heart, not your head. You're lost if you shoot with your head. Yeah. So if you wow. shoot with your, you set your shot up and close your eyes, then you're shooting with your heart. You're not paying attention to the technical aspects. And it's really important um, because you, you know, you're going to sit, you're going to become one of those conceptual photographers that's not getting to, down to the heart of things. And you're not communicating something that's essential to your yourself. If you're shooting with your, you know, am I going to, you know, if you're thinking about aperture, you're thinking about shutter speed, you're thinking, and then you shoot the, you, you know, you hit the shutter. You're not thinking about what you're supposed to be thinking about what's essential yeah. to the work. If you want to be an artist, you have to be, you know, connected with all those elements. And so I teach my students, you know, it, not that they always do it, but I try to walk them through that process so that they do connect in that way. Do you wow. write down your dreams every morning or do yeah. you remember them every morning? Yeah. Can I ask what you wrote? What was the metaphor from today? I don't talk about my dreams and I'll tell you why I, do, I don't talk about them with um, other people um, in terms of, you know, 
the art world is because then they'll look at my dream, my, my work and they'll think about my dreams and they'll think about how I interpret them. Mm-hmm. I'm, I shoot them in a universal way. I'm using universal symbols, universal iconology so that you can experience what you want to experience through the work. I do them as my own personal psychology, but not one person is going to experience what I had, the specific meaning that I had, because remember, I reinterpret them with a positive spin. Yeah. Well, and also it for it, then someone is just seeing like the answer um, and they're not engaging deeper with the, the photograph. They're seeing the right answer and then they move on. I right. uh, spoke with a Korean choreographer, uh, Hei Kang Lee, who's actually based in Los Angeles or was based in Los Angeles as well. And she she's a modern dance choreographer. And she would always say she would never talk about what it was about. She would always say, what does it mean to you? That's what it's about. And it's like, it doesn't matter what it's about to me. And I start my classes with talking about what, you know, what is the essential ingredient of a great photograph? If you have the answer, you're in trouble, you know, (laughs) because you're not going to keep looking at that great photograph. Yeah. You need to keep asking questions. And the, when you have that, when you solve that question, you're not going to want to look at the photograph again, or you're not want to, you don't want to create the photograph. This yeah. is all about the questions and striving towards the, you know, the answers, but never getting them. I want to take one of your classes. It does. It <laughs> seems, I mean, I love how sort of psychological you go. I actually, I've read that your students actually call you the psychologist, the psychiatrist. Is that true? Uh, maybe they do. I have no idea. <laughs> not, to <her> face. <laughs> not to her face, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, it's true. I use a lot of psycho. I mean, I have a degree in psychology, but um, that's not, I mean, I have three degrees. Oh, I didn't know that. I'd never used them. Um, the only degree I've, I think I've ever used is my film and television production degree. But um, uh, so, yes, I, they, I do use a lot of psychological approaches, um, but photography is psychology. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're looking through your lens in a psychological way, mm-hmm. no matter how you think about this. I mean, you, your lens is your, your eyes and therefore it's psychology. When you look at your work over the past decade or so, do you see an evolution? Do you feel like you're moving? Oh, yeah. And, and how oh, would yeah. you describe it? Can you describe how that, the change over time? Yeah. Well, the change is, um, it's kind of about, you know, all these images represent me and what I'm going through in my own experience of life. Therefore, they're going to change because I grow as a person and I experience different things. Like the first chapter within Shadows was about my struggle with the loss of my mother, you know, and that ended in, um, let's see, that was 2005 to 2009. Yeah, that was the period that that covered. And then after that, um, I assumed that I would just be done with this and then I'd just go back to my career in entertainment, you know. But what ended up happening was the next period of my life was um, in 2009, December 2009, my dad had a massive stroke and I had to take care of him for the next six months before he passed away. When he passed away, a new chapter opened and those night terrors came back with a vengeance, but my dreams looked entirely different than they mm-hmm. did with the chapter of my mother, because I was dealing with a different kind of loss. Um, and it was more about losing my entire family and trying to find my roots. And um, so you'll see that the perspective in my work shifted 
very it's a very different body of work the way that I shot it and I composed it in the perspective because I was shooting from a different perspective of trying to find roots and family and home and I was coming from a more um, omniscient point of view almost connecting with my father Mm -hmm. he was a pilot and we'd fly together and that's where we connected so you see a lot of sky there's a lot of intentionality about how I shot this um, being very small, you'll find the human beings in the, those pictures very small yeah. because that's how I feel, felt in the world. Um, so they sh- everything, you know, first body work was you were closer to the human subject. It's a much more feminine body of work. The second body work, you know, you'll see a lot of cityscapes with tiny little human beings and you're far away from the human, um, the human connection. That's how that shifted. And now my next body of work is where I am now. I mean, I'm still in the same place where um, life shifted in 2016 for me, where um, I started dreaming in color. Now, I've been studied a lot. I've done a lot of dream study programs. So I'm really clear about how I'm dreaming. And from the time, um, from like, you know, all the time that I was shooting black and white is because I was dreaming in black and white. So in 2016, when the country started to shift, and I'm not making a political statement, it was more about two factions of of people not getting together and being um, a cohesive unit like we really should be as a country. Mm -hmm. And it was about being pulled apart. And it was, again, another kind of loss for me because I I grew up, you know, loving America, loving the Americana, American iconology of America. Mm-hmm. You know, my father and mother would take us on these long RV camping trips in the summer to these great American places so that we would learn about our country. And I absolutely loved, you know, going to these places like, you know, uh, South Dakota and all this stuff, you know, to see that iconology. Like the Black these, Hills. The Black <laughs> Hills, you know. Yeah. Oh my God, I loved that stuff, you know. So what I did is when I started like dreaming in color and, and coming to a place of this loss of our country and the loss of this family that we should be together in a sense, I, I just started retracing my steps and going to back to these places that, that exuded this iconology of America and the, the American dream. So that's what this new body of work is about, like, you know, retracing that iconology in these, fa- these places that I really felt connected to, that, I've, that I'm rethinking about the class consciousness and how we think about the American dream connected to these iconic locations. So that's God, where I, I am I love hearing you now. talk about this. Also, yeah. I noticed that with where shadows cease, I was, I like had to look twice almost. I was like, oh, there's color. Oh, oh, this is, this is so interesting. Like how, um, I love hearing how you kind of how you got there. Um, you also, I mean, I, I'm sure you're probably too modest to say this, so I will say it for you. The work that you're referring to within shadows and the absence of being are award-winning pieces. I mean, you won the gold medal for within shadows at the 2011, um, what is it? Photo de Prix, Prix de, de la photography in Paris. And in 2017, you won the international photo book awards for best with best in show. I mean, these are pieces like your work is definitely one that is gets noticed and is beautiful and does have this just this ethereal haunting. I know I said that in the in the kind of the intro, but it's 
it's they're images that I find myself just like staring at longer. And it is that idea of like, I'm, I see so much more and trying to figure it out. There's one image in particular, I'd love you to describe, um, or to kind of like, you don't have to go into the metaphor or what's behind it, but just the, the image itself is insane how I can't even imagine how it was created. It's late or sorry, it's last light. Um, and this is from absence of being, it was, it's almost like two clouds. That last light like abacue is the abacue. Last light abacue. I'm sorry. Yes. I missed that last word. And, um, it's sort of like these two, uh, almost clouds that look like they're illuminated from below, but connected through a, a, a bolt or a javelin sort of shaped cloud or jet stream there. It's, it's really fantastic. Could you talk a little bit about this image in particular? So then I would be giving away my tricks of, of what I was oh. doing, but I won't tell you what that is. I'm okay. not going to tell you because, um, because then you'd be like, oh, and then you you'd, you'd be us. like, you know, I'd set you up. Um, but that's something I actually just saw in the sky. And I was, it just, I was driving, I was teaching at Santa Fe Photographic Workshops and mm -hmm. um, we were at Abiquiu, which is a trip that I always take because I'm obsessed with Abiquiu. It is an and amazing place. Yeah. Amazing. I, that place is just touched by something. I don't know. It's magic. Right. Um, and I always get great shots in Abiquiu. Um, uh, but I saw it. I mean, I, I was looking out the window and we were driving towards Para, para, what do you say that para para what's the mountain the, with the mountain the, the, the par, paradonal or whatever you call it yeah uh, no. the georgia o'keefe mountain right. i don't know why i can't yeah. say it uh but anyway um we were driving towards that because i just wanted to get close to it and i looked to the right and i saw that scene and i screamed at my student and i said stop the car like literally stop the car and i got out and shot it and that's all i can tell you because if i told you more you wouldn't be intrigued <laughs> you know, okay, I'll buy that. I'm just stuck. I mean, I look at a lot of photography, but I've it seems the most different of contemporary work that I see that I that resonates for me. It's it is so uh deep. I mean, it's so personal. You see so much in it as a as an observer, uh, that I don't it, it changed. I mean, I, I feel a lot that photography is a poetic form, and there's lots of poetic forms, there's lots of ways you can use photography to tell your poetry, but it is, it flies in the face of all the ways that I think of, have always thought about photography in that I, I feel a lot about composing things and about moments and stuff like that. And it's created in such a different way. You are, you're closing your eyes. You're using the force. It's like Luke Skywalker. You're where using you the, the force. You're, <laughs> That's great. I never thought of that. You know, you put the <laughs> blinder down and it's like, trust, just trust that the universe is going to make this is, is the way you're going to pull this off. And, and that is not the way I think about photography. I don't think that's the way many people think about photography. Which so is I, should, a, I should correct you and say that it's not about making the shot. It's about connection for me. And it's, if you make, if you get the shot, that's great, but it's about connecting with that moment. Um, you know, I can't tell you how many shots I don't connect with. I go through a lot of film. Do you? Um, I mean, that was my next oh, question. Absolutely. You shoot a, a, a ton and to find the, the that picture that no, works so I, I don't shoot a ton. I only shoot a couple shots, but sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Oh. And that's not, you know, um, I don't, I'm not somebody who is 
you know, I don't, I didn't, I didn't learn on digital where you could just chip away, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's not, that's not the way I, I, my process is. It's about making the shot. Um, I am, you know, a, a true analog photographer. Um, but sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And you just have to accept that wasn't meant to be if it didn't, didn't, you know, you, you went through the process and that's, what's important. Mm-hmm. Is digital any part of your process? Are you digitally printing? It's all silver prints? No, I do digitally print now. Um, but when I do it, when I'm printing, I'm digitally and printing, but then I'm um, hand varnishing them, which is a just painful process. What does that mean? Um, what does hand varnishing look like? What are you doing? I'm varnishing the print so that it doubles the life of the print. So they end up having like a 250 year archival. So you're, you're um, putting like a, a layer of varnish, like clear varnish on top of the actual printed image. It's UV varnish. Wow. Yeah. UV- it's a really annoying, horrible process. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you, are you additioned? I mean, do you, you oh, do sure, a, a fine, a, a couple, what, what, how many are you making at a time? Oh, I, well, how I make it. I only make a couple at a time, but the addition for I've um, a 16 by 16 with this is just additioned at 15. I have a 12 by 12 that's addition by 15. And then some of the images are 27 by 27 based on collectors are requesting that large size. And those are additions of three. Wow. Uh, I, I can't wait to show people your work. I mean, I, I'm, I feel like everyone should take this class. If you're interested in photography, you should. And, and as an artist, um, to, to, get to spend time with you and to watch your process. I would, I, I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to sign up. I'm glad you're going to be in town, although you, you sell out very quickly. So you got to get in there. I think that just the idea of like connection and that's what you're going after. I think it resonates for anyone really at any, at any level on getting to the core of your work. What, I, I had a quick uh, question. Uh, okay. oh, Ruben has a question. Go Ruben, go. Well, I'm just curious. <laughs> what uh, are there photographers who have inspired you over the years that you would say are, uh, were instrumental in getting you to this place or was so it? My inspirations are painters mostly. Um, mm-hmm. When I was a kid, I fell in love with the impressionists. Um, mm-hmm. I moved from Miami to Chicago when I was six and my, you know, you had the arts art Institute and my mom being a big art lover. She used to take me there all the time. And I remember when I was six, I walked into um, the impressionist room. And when I saw, um, uh, a Surratt that was hanging on the wall. Um, it blew my mind. It literally at six years old blew my mind. I couldn't get my head around it. And then I just became obsessed with the Impressionists. Um, uh, I guess I was a hundred years too late, but because um, <laughs> I, I just, you know, that's what I wanted to do when I was a little kid. I'm like, I want to paint pictures like that. Um, and then when I, she got me into photography, when I was eight, I fell in love with photography. Um, so, you know, I, I didn't know anything about the artistry of photography. I was just shooting. Um, I took, I was in photography class for four years in high school because that was my passion in high school. But they didn't teach us about fine art photography beyond Ansel Adams, you know, type of thing. So I didn't know anything, even when I was getting into it in my thirties, I had no idea about the history of photography. I just started creating this stuff from um, something that I saw. Mm -hmm. So it was along the, you know, after I started making my own cameras, somebody said, did you ever hear about the pictorialists? I'm like, (laughs) no, 
<laughs> you know, like literally, I didn't know anything about fine art photography. And by the time I landed myself in galleries, like which was only two years into making my cameras, which was it was insane. I mean, the way that it happened. Uh, I was learning along the way. I didn't know anything. So I can't tell you that I was inspired by a photographer because I'd be lying to you. Mm -hmm. um, but along the way, I've learned, I've become quite inspired. Um, I'm, I'm now like a, an encyclopedia of photographers. And that's why you know, people who come to my class are like, their mind's blown because I'm just throwing, throwing so much photography at them. Um, but I had to learn, you know, because this became my career. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to learn, of course. And um, but the people that there's so many people that inspire me that would probably not make sense to you um, in terms of how I look, because a lot of the people that inspired me are, you know, I'm quite inspired by a lot of my friends work. You know, my friend Rania Matar blows me away. You know, her work is incredible. We don't look anything alike, but she's one of my dearest friends. You know, um, uh, there's so many photographers out there that I, I truly um, I, I am inspired by but the one when I was first coming up that blew me away was James Fee I remember looking at his work on uh what was it photo LA I saw it on the wall and it it's kind of what made me want to become a fine art photographer so um he he was kind of the the essential ingredient on on the wall behind you are are photographs can can you tell us who those are well, there's one that's mine, oh. but then in the corner, let's see, um, that's a toy camera photographer. I mean, I have a James V over there. Um, it's like, you know, I, I was, I was lucky to become friends with somebody who um, runs the estate. So I was able to get a few <laughs> James V's. Um, so I don't have a huge collection or anything, but I just, um, you know, things I love and I trade a ton with other, I have a Jason Langer, I have a Hiroshi Watanabe, I have a Dave <laughs> Anderson on the wall, you know, uh, Michael Krauser, you know, these are my friends. So I love to have my friends up on the wall. Nice. Nice. We always talk about the, the, the images that you surround yourself with that are like around you every day, not as inspiration per se, but just they're, they're things that are in your world and and so we often ask about the the pictures that are on your wall. So that's most yeah. of them are my dog, to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah. This Surround just, yourself by what you love, you know, again. <laughs> exactly. Raven is quite prevalent in my collection. And Blue, who was my first dog, who actually started my photography. So what does that mean? Started your photography? The picture of the dog's nose. Oh, is, that it's was the first test um photo i took with my first homemade camera oh cool suzanne i well i so um i had two questions one was just in the work that you have people in the foreground or blue or dogs i guess but probably more with people i was curious how do you work with your models like because it's sometimes have models or the the individuals that are on the other side they're not yes not paid models but just like the individuals that are sort of in the um in the shot, they mostly nobody, have... the people that I have don't know that I'm shooting them half the time. Uh, everything is at oh, the really? moment. There was a certain period of time in 2007 that I was doing an exercise uh -huh. where I was working with people who were knowledgeable of me photographing them. Mm -hmm. There's only like 
10 images in the in anything that I've ever shot with people who were knowledgeable of me being behind the camera. And that was some uh, just an exercise of me trying to to communicate the emotional state of mind that I was in, in the dream that I had the night before. And I would communicate like a word to them um, of, that encapsulated that emotional place and they'd reinterpret it and I'd walk away and I'd shoot them from a distance. Um, but those, it, it's a section called between. Okay. Um, and that's the only time that I've ever done that. Every other picture that I have taken, I don't like actually setting things up at all. Mm-hmm. That was a painful one year that I um, was trying to teach myself something new. Yeah. Um, And it was right after I landed in the galleries too. It was like 2007. I was trying to figure out how would I shoot differently? Mm -hmm. And I sort of got off track, to be honest. I had to get back on track after that year to just do things instinctually. um, Because I think I I got overwhelmed by the idea of being in galleries. Yeah. that set me off a little tangent that that I had to cor- auto correct. Uh, I I love hearing that story and the for the correction. I definitely appreciate um, I, the the moments that you're capturing do seem so uh, kind of like th- there's just such a focus. So it, it I understand now as you're saying they don't know that, that they're being shot. They're really lost in their own moment or you know depending on the image. I love that. Um, you also use the word instinctual. Um, which I think is is such an interesting word um, for your work. But one of the questions we ask every guest is if they could describe their work in one word, what word would they use? Hmm, that's an interesting question. Um, so this is gonna I'm gonna go in, into an explanation of this. Yeah. Um, the way that I teach, I teach my students that they all connect to connect with one word that encapsulates their their work. So it's interesting that you're asking me this question because it's part of my teaching process. (laughs) So, um, you know, I go through a whole series of intent, questions about intent. What is your intention? And I break it down into a lot of where, what, why, how type of things and what you're personally connecting to. And over the years, I have connected with one word and it, it, it may make sense to you and it may not make sense to you, but the one word is mortality. Um, and it's the one thing that I, I have to, if I can think about that word, all I have to do is feel everything that's connected to it. And I look into a scene and I have my shot. Hmm. I'm not going to go into the, the reasons why that's my, you know, word, but it's, it it is. And it also encapsulates the light and dark of life. And if you look at my work, it's very much about, uh, finding the light within the dark. Wow. Yeah. I, Think that's a beautiful word. It's not one that would have come to mind at all without you saying it. But then uh, again, <laughs> the risk of, I guess, saying, saying it, but then it's, it does have this feeling. A lot of the pieces that I've seen of yours have this feeling of it is like, I'm waking from a dream or I can't wake from a dream. And so also just hearing you explain that that's been a struggle um, that you, what you turned to photography to, to help you through um, early on. I think it's just such a beautiful thread that continues. Thank you. I'm gobsmacked. You know, I really am. <laughs> it's just like I talk to a lot of photographers, but I feel like you, you're like the real deal. You know, it's wonderful to see someone who's That's so funny. That was Keith Carter's. Actually, I have to say the the real deal was what Keith Carter said to me when I was just starting to make my cameras and I showed him some pictures and he looked at my work and he said, you're the real deal. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know? I love I went, that. What are you talking about? You I know? I'm just in my head. I, I, I almost can't even talk right now. I just want to go back into your books and, and go through more photographs. And, and I, I think the best thing we can do is to really hope we've introduced our audience to your work because it's so fundamentally different from everybody else we've spoken to. Yeah. Um, I appreciate your, your coming and joining us. Do you want to, uh, where else can they find you, yeah. Susan? So if you, I know that you're teaching um, at the Santa Fe Photography Workshops, but could you let us just let our, our audience and our listeners know where else they can find you and your books? Sure. Um, I teach at um, Santa Fe Photo Workshops and I'll be teaching this summer and also um, teaching in San Miguel, um, the Poetry Abstraction, which I love that class. Um, I also teach at Main Media Workshops um, and I'm teaching a class, I think in October or November online, I don't remember. Um, and then I also teach at LACP, uh, Los Angeles mm -hmm. Center of Photography, which I have a couple of classes coming up there. Um, I think in this month, actually, um, which is one of one of my beginning courses, which is um, uh, an interesting course. And I can't remember the name of it right now. Do you think um, and then beginners I, can take your class. I mean, as opposed to advanced yeah, artists, um, you think sure. this is okay for, for new? Yeah. There's a couple courses that are more appropriate. Mm -hmm. um, there's one called contemporary fine art photography, discovering your voice, which is a great sort of survey class of all kinds of styles that um, we go through a lot of different photo contemporary photographers. And then you practice that style each week. Um, so it's an interesting course for beginners to try to figure out what is their, you know, what are they trying to get to? What, are, what is their voice? And I, of course, use my own process of getting to their core early. So it's one of those classes that, you know, the sooner you know who you are and what you want to express, the better you're going to be along the path. And that's something that they don't teach in a lot of MFA programs either. Like you're learning technique, mm -hmm. you're learning um, a lot of, you know, how to, but the core ingredient of being an artist, you know, how, how do you get to that? That's what excites me. And that's what I always teach in my, every single one of my classes has an element of that. I love you know? that. There's Great. a Dolly Parton quote that that makes me think of it's find out who you are and then do it intentionally. <laughs> Exactly. It's all about intent. And that's what I teach is intent. It's, I mean, you ought to have your intent. Um, so those are my, my workshops, but then um, my work is represented at um, Obscure Galley, which I have a, a show at mm -hmm. um, until July, end of July. Right. And um, Catherine Cotier Gallery in Houston right. and other, other tin gallery in um, Tucson um, there's some, a private dealer also in San Francisco that was, used to be a gallery that still has some of my work, which is Cordon Potts. Um, but those are the core galleries that I work with right now. And of awesome. course they can see more of your work on your website, susanbernstein.com. Um, again, that's S-U-S-A-N-B-U-R-N-S-T-I-N-E.com. We will have yes. that link and some, some selected pictures, um, of Susan's and maybe some James Feeve images just to turn people onto that. Um, and I will see you at Obscura on the third, on the 29th. Sounds Excellent. like that's where you can see actual prints and not JPEGs. And I have to say that I, I hate showing my work in JPEGs. You have uh, to see yes. an actual print yes. because it's a whole different thing. Absolutely. So I will be happy to show you a print. 
<laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, Susan, let's. Uh, I, both of us, Suzanne and Susan. Susan and Suzanne. <laughs> we will wrap it up. <laughs> okay, go for it. Our show is recorded and produced in San Francisco and Santa Fe. Go to neomodern.com slash podcast to get show notes, see photos, and post comments. Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening now, and leave reviews and ratings, especially if you like us. We get new listeners from you telling your friends and spreading the word. If you know someone who might get something from us, please send them a link. Thank you to Mitchell Foreman for our theme music, Susan Bernstein for joining us this morning. And all of you for hanging out with us. We appreciate your attention and hope we've given you some things to think about until next time.